0: As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guest today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Science of Selling Sam. Today, I have an amazing person all the way from the UK, Yinka Ewola. Did I say it right? It's all good. It was perfect. Thanks, Rosaline. <laughs> Ewola. Ewola. <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry people always mess my name up so I try to get names right think <laughs> how are you doing I am awesome I'm so glad to be here thank you so much for having me I'm excited to chat with you. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Yinka. She's a coach, consultant, strategist, trainer, and speaker working with inspired and ambitious women wanting to have their all on their own terms. She's the founder of Kala Success Systems and creator of the fab and fearless imprint of Boost Camps, programs and the collective supporting women to grow and scale their business. She focuses on systems and leveraging and ensure that the habits, environments, and processes in women's lives and businesses support their deepest hopes, wildest dreams, and enable them to define success on their own terms and build exciting, inspiring journeys to get there. So did you just like pop out of the womb and become this <laughs> amazingly inspiring person? How did you start your career and how did you get
1: to where you are today? Well, thank you so much. As I said, uh, the answer to your first question is maybe... Only because I absolutely believe that everyone is obviously, I think everyone's born special. I think everyone has their superpowers. And I'm really grateful to be in the space where I'm getting to use mine. But it's been a journey. I mean, I am hella introverted is the first thing I would say. I'm such an introvert. I'm also a recovering shy person. So when I was in my teens, I was super ultra shy, very nerdy kid, love my books, love, you know, I love books more than I love people. (laughs) So my career journey started in banking. I was in investment banking, working for one of the biggest investment banks in the world. And then my journey into what I do now kind of really kicked off when my mum was diagnosed with cancer and she was running her own business but I kept seeing her leaving her treatment to go and service client needs and so I was like whoa this is literally the definition of someone feeling like they need to choose between their money and their life and I'm like that doesn't make it I can't live with that so the best thing I can do so I stepped out of my banking career to help my mum run her business to help her focus on getting back to health. Uh, we're really glad to say that she has. She's amazing. She kicked cancer's butt. Um, she went climbing up Mount Kilimanjaro to celebrate ten years free of cancer. That's the kind of awesome woman she is. But what I kept seeing was similar challenges from female-led businesses, which was, you know, this idea that you know when the world needs support they run to the women in their lives. But when women need support, the support that they need isn't always there. If they can find it, it's often designed by men for men and it doesn't fit into the realities of of our lives as women. But then it's also underpinned by some pretty challenging ideas around things like money mindset, you know, what it means to sell things. And so women are all riddled up, you know, with that and the patriarchy and it's all fun. So yeah, it's been a, a really powerful journey definitely lots of blood lots of sweat lots of tears but it's brought me to where i am
0: today so i want to rewind a bit i want to ask you about your life as an investment banker so when you think about what you did when you first started out your career what in that first stint into hey this is what i want to do for the rest of my life has helped set you up for success today I knew
1: going into banking, I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. The reason why I went into banking was because I wanted to understand money. You know, I'm I'm Nigerian, although the accent would not necessarily tell you that. But my, my parents both were born in Nigeria. I was born in the UK. So I'm the child of an immigrant. And, you know, my parents both came to the UK to study. They worked their butts off. They experienced ridiculous racism. And, you know, we experienced incredible love, but also, you know, some severe lack in uh, like financial lack. So I wanted to understand money. I wanted to understand how it worked. I wanted to understand what it was about it and how to handle it so that I would never be poor myself. So I went into banking with a really clear picture in my mind of what I was there for I mean they accelerated my journey out of banking that's another story (laughs) the things that I loved though that I got from my banking career was this you know understanding of how money works this understanding of the fact that it is an incredible tool for you to use however you want. Money does not change people. It doesn't uh, ruin people. It doesn't taint things. It literally amplifies the expression and the values of the holder. And so that is one of the biggest lessons I learned because it, it really set me up to recognize that it isn't the money I want. It's the meaning that I give to my money that drives me. And that is absolutely one of the most powerful influences for what I do now. Because I want to make a difference. You know, I'm a black woman living in a non-black, non-female world. And so the more money I gather under my influence, the more I get to make the changes to the people that look like me and the people who have no voice and the people who can't necessarily stand up for themselves. And that's the kind of world I want to live in. And I know that that takes money.
0: Mm. So you really think about money in a completely different aspect than many salespeople do, right? And the fact that you got that really strong foundation in understanding how money works, how having a lot of money can help you and how just that quick that money can be gone and you can be way back down at zero. So when you think about money from that aspect and sales help us put those things together. So thinking about money from a financial standpoint, but as a salesperson, how can we use those thoughts that you just brought us to help bridge that gap?
1: I think it's really important to remember, like obviously as a salesperson, money is one of the great ways you keep score. So obviously the more money you have, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you know, that obviously demonstrates your ability to sell. But as a salesperson, we have this incredible role You know, if we are selling something that we truly believe in and that truly adds value to the people that we are serving, then we are, you know, we're literally changing the world because we're ultimately enabling someone by allowing them to pay for the solution that we're offering. We're allowing them to participate in their own rescue. We're allowing them to create a sense of agency. I know, you know, as someone who runs a business, I know 101 times I've I've given someone something for free and I've sold exactly the same thing to someone else. And the person who bought it, you know, there's that line in their account. They know they paid some money for it and they that the use of it, their appreciation of it and their value of it is different. So I think being able to give your money meaning, you know, really does help in terms of, you know, your own aspirations. But I, you know, salespeople get the worst rap around, you know, other people's negative sales experiences. But I I believe in the opportunity to create win-wins, you know, through sales. And so for me, I think that gives money an even more empowering meaning because you are creating a win for the person who is buying. You're creating a win for you and your organisation, everyone's winning. Who doesn't love that?
0: I love that. I often say that, you know, when you're selling, you're serving. So, so many people, they have this negative connotation for sales, or it's hard for them to even ask for money or to even say, Hey, Mr. Prospect, this is how much it's going to cost. But one thing that I love that you said, you said you're, they're allowing you, right? They have to give you permission. You don't just jump in and do it. They're allowing you to help them solve a problem. Mm -hmm. So you entered entrepreneurship differently than so many people do because your mom had an established business and you. You understood finance, which is the thing that so many small business owners don't get. And it's why so many small businesses fail. So tell me about how was it saying, okay, I'm leaving the corporate realm and now I'm going to jump into business and help my mom. How was that? Okay, so first of all, I would say a slightly different
1: thing. So the reason I've seen that businesses fail is because business owners don't really understand what it takes to make a business successful. And what I would say that is, is habits. And one of those habits is to understand your finances, but it's not the only habit. Like business owners, they fall in love with their products rather than falling in love with the problems they're supposed to be solving. And so, you know, you you stop listening to your market. You stop, you know, tapping into the needs. Your marketing messages are off. So what makes businesses, like finance absolutely helped. But what I would say is as someone who had a really strong finance background, to go into a small business in an industry I wasn't familiar in and knowing nothing else about business, it was a true baptism of fire because I was dealing with all sorts of things I'd never really touched before but what I would say is that it really helped me to understand the importance of the numbers part because like you said so many I the learning curve for me on the other parts was so steep but it appeared less steep because I knew my numbers And because that is the place where so many business owners stumble. So I think that it was really, as I said, it was a real baptism of fire. But the other thing as well is, and this is where I qualify what I said in the first place. If you are selling something you truly believe in, then sales absolutely is service. And I never, you know, at that time I was still, you know, relatively shy and relatively reserved. But I had to really put my thoughts of me and my ego aside to really think about who I was trying to serve and who I was trying to help. And so that was really one of the powerful shifts in my mind you know, I don't understand how, and you know, obviously I run my own business now. I still co-support my mum on that business, but I don't understand how people want to go into business and yet they don't want to sell or they want to sell without selling, which it just creates mental dissonance, you know, cognitive dissonance. You're not going to be able to do that effectively. If you want to go into business, you need to want to sell. You need to love selling. You need to love serving your market. You need to love the solution that you can offer to people and the transformation you can give or change your business or change your product
0: Mm. so a lot of the listeners are in these heavily technical areas they're in the stem areas and so innately they may be engineers or scientists or maybe even bankers you know (laughs) And being shy, being an introvert, is a thing, right? It is a thing, and people are like, "Leslie, well, you're not a, a chemist. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, you don't act like a chemist because you're too, you talk too much." How did you get over? Because you mentioned it a couple times, your introvertedness, your shyness. How did you get over that to really put yourself out there and start selling? You know what, Wesleyan, it's something I, I spend a lot of time thinking
1: about. I've actually, like, uh, next year I'm, I've got products coming up, targeting and focusing on introversion. Because people really see it like it's a problem or it's like a, a burden. And actually, it's a real superpower. It's a real super, but like introverts make such incredible salespeople because of some certain aspects that come naturally to us. We're often a lot more, you know, detail oriented. We are people who listen, you know, there's active listening and then there's introvert active listening. And the fact is, if sales is really service, then you are listening far more than you're talking and people will tell you what they need. And if you're willing to listen and you're willing to connect the dots, which is another introversion superpower, certainly in my version of it, then actually you're not selling to people, they're selling themselves. And so there are so many, you know, I've never been extroverted. So it would be hard for me to say, I love being introverted as though I have a comparison. I really don't. But I've learned sales from so many extroverts and I've learned the tactics and I've learned the frameworks. And what I've seen is that the things that are essential to excellent sales that makes an experience that both parties love are things that introverts have in buckets, that listening ear, that attention to detail. And so for me, introversion isn't a problem. It's not a burden. It's about you managing your energy. Yeah, I can't stack sales calls back to back to back. I do need that time in between to like not talk to anyone and we my energy and interacting with people absolutely does drain me after a while. But actually, from a sales perspective, you know, there's nothing about introversion that stands in your way unless you want it to. And this is the other thing that I've really learned, certainly for me, is I used to use introversion as a bit like a shield. I would be like, oh, my gosh, I can't possibly do that. I'm an introvert. But actually what I was was afraid of money and I was afraid of rejection and I was focused on the wrong person. I was focused on what I look like rather than how I could serve, how what I was offering could serve the people that I was sharing it with. So I have in lots of different places around whenever, you know, it's not about me. This is not about me. It's about them. It's about value. It's about transformation. And, you know, I remind myself that I have a duty if I genuinely claim that I care about what I care about and I care about the difference that what I have to offer makes in the world, then I have a duty to present it and I have a duty to listen and I have a duty to match it. And if it's not a good match, I wouldn't let you have it even if you had the money. But if it is a good match, then I absolutely need to make sure I do everything possible to enable you to take hold of it.
0: Wow, that's powerful. For any self reclaimed introvert that is on the edge and they're like, I don't know, ah, can I get into sales, can I do this? Or maybe they're like, I'm in sales now, but how can I go into sales leadership because I have to talk to the team? All of the things you said are so powerful. And as you were talking, I was thinking about what my very brilliant son has told me many times, that being an introvert, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't like being around people or you don't like talking to people, it's how you get recharged. And you said, hey, yeah, that means that I can't do the back-to-back meetings because it's like I need time alone to recharge before I can talk to other people. And then even thinking about listening because it's like the number one thing that I teach any salesperson. You must listen more than you talk. Of course. And it's actually harder for extroverts to just sit there and listen, right? It's like they just want to hop in and bump in and they can't just listen and reframe they want to tell you but
1: this is where and again I think as introverts we have that advantage because our job is not to sell our job is to facilitate them selling themselves and so there's no amount of uh, features or benefits or, or, you know, little sales. T- that's not how it works. That the thing I love about sales now is that, you know, everyone is obsessed with, oh, is it B2B? Is it B2C? It's human to human. And that's like mm. people, person to person, that's stories to stories, connection to connection. And so it really is take the energy labels out of it, which is what intro and extroversion is really about. And then ask yourself, how much do you believe in your product? What does that money mean? And what does it mean to you? But also what does it mean, you know, to your family, to your legacy, to your future, to what you're building? And once you give it a different meaning, once you give it a meaning that is beyond this, I think, I can't remember the the person who said it, but they they said that once you have a big enough why, you can endure any how. And so Mm -hmm. give yourself a big enough why all of a sudden the hows won't matter. You, you know, you'll be talking to everybody. But the other thing is to remember that rejection of the product or rejection of the idea, you know, nine out of 10 times as someone who runs a business, when someone says no, they're not actually saying no to me or my product. They're reminding me that they still have doubts in themselves. And so that's my role as a salesperson to support them, to see the version of themselves that could take advantage of what I have to offer and really make a difference. And again, that, you know, as a salesperson, that's a real privilege and a real opportunity to, you know, for them to borrow my belief, not only in my product and what I'm offering, but in themselves. It's a, uh, like I said, sales is, sales is game-changing. It's like salespeople rule the world. <laughs> yes,
0: we do, we do, we do. Salespeople are the best. So in what you do every day when you're working with women, it seems like you are helping them overcome, I like to call them self-limiting beliefs, right? So walk us through some of the areas that you help women overcome in order to really become confident and sell themselves or their products or whatever they want to do. Yeah. I have a model that I created and I focus on
1: what I call like the seven sets to holistic success. So the very first of those sets is your mindset. And as you said, those limiting beliefs are plentiful. You know, we, whether it's the patriarchy or supremacy or even just, you know, familial or cultural ideas, we have a situation where everyone's got a message to try and keep women in place. And when I say in place, it's the place that they want you to sit in. It's the place that they, that it is of benefit to them that you are there as opposed to benefits to you. So that's beliefs around money. That's beliefs around what femininity is. That's beliefs around what sales means. That's beliefs around, you know, the idea of even being able to run or build a business. It's beliefs around what confidence is and how you get it. It's beliefs around fear. You know, we teach our sons, that when you're afraid, you, you use your courage. When we often teach our daughters or when you're afraid, you know, call for help or cower or, or retreat. You know, they did a study about watching children play and boys and girls climbing up trees and how, you know, they were like encouraging their sons to go higher and they were telling their daughters to come down. And so, there, you know, these messages start from a very, very early age. So definitely, you know, I focus on the mindset, but then I also focus on th- on what I like to call the heart set and soul set. So this idea that, you know, women are allowed to own their desires and women are adults with full agency, it seems so mind-boggling to the world. Like everyone wants to legislate on women's emotions, women's bodies. We're, like everybody wants to tell women what to do. And actually it's women are often you know, the women that I've worked with and experienced are also very able to seed and give away their power very quickly. So it's about teaching them to, actually, you're allowed to want what you want. You're allowed to want running a business to be easy. You're allowed to want it. If that helps you, that's another story, but you're allowed to want what you want. So let's now create what you want. Let's believe it's possible and let's put systems and leverage and assets in place so that we're not just focused on you, you know, Hustling and working till you die and sleep when you're dead and all of that kind of stuff and actually thinking about how we can turn your hard work smart, um, you know, through assets and leverage and those kinds of things. And so it's really, you know, we talk about skill set as well, because there are so many mindset people out there who will tell you that mindset is everything. And actually mindset is important, but we are not giant brains on legs. And so there are other things that are also important. And you can't out mindset a lack of skill set. If you don't know how to do something, yes, having a growth mindset will support the acquisition of skill, but you still need to go out there and acquire it. And so it's I combine the sixth set to kind of come and put together the seventh set, which is the action set. What are you going to do? What is going to be different? I like to use the saying that nothing is useful until it's used. So how are you going to use, you know, the smashing of these limiting beliefs? How, what does that now translate into in terms of a different way of, of showing up and acting and being? And that's where, again, I was talking about earlier, we then really focusing on those habits Because we are what we do habitually as opposed to what we do occasionally. Like literally no one ever lost weight going on a, you know, a five day something. It's a lifestyle thing. So we are what we do habitually. So that's where we need to focus.
0: Mm, that's so powerful and you really touched on so many different things. I like that. What do you say? No mindset without skill set? Yeah, you
1: can't out mindset a lack of skill set.
0: There we go. You can't out mindset a lack of skill set. That's just like kind of like mic drop done. <laughs> podcast over because it's so true. It true. Like it's like okay, you have to have a growth mindset. You have to have a positive mindset. You have to think all of these good things, but if you won't pick up the phone and start cold calling, if you won't read a book on sales, if you won't read a book on how to be a better leader, none of these things are really going to help you get to the next level, right? Absolutely. And... So I love that. That's going to definitely be one of the the quotes that we pull out and <laughs> I will, because I love that. That is so good. The other thing
1: I'd add just quickly mm-hmm. on, on that point you talked about, if you're not going to read a book on sales, if you're not going to pick up the phone, I think the other thing as well is really important to remember is the first time you pick up the phone, you are going to be afraid and that's okay. You're like, don't waste time. The whole reason why I've been working in my fab and fear less imprint is because it's not about fearlessness. People who are fearless, in my opinion, are dangerous and probably don't have a realistic view of the world. There are scary things in this world. Whereas, so what I'm focused on is not fearlessness, but to support people to fear less to not allow fear to control them. You're going to pick up the phone the first time and you're going to be afraid. You're going to be afraid the second time. You're going to be afraid. If you can get to the 10th, 20th, 50th time, that's when you're going to be confident. The problem is that people are waiting for confidence before they pick up the phone the first time. And confidence Mm -hmm. is not the catalyst. It's not the starter. Confidence is the road. And so you have yeah. to
0: start walking. And that's good. That made me think of something that I say often. It, it's okay to fail. It's just not okay to fail the same way twice. So, hey, if you did this 10 times and it didn't work, maybe you should tweak it a little bit. Yeah, Figure out what didn't work. Just keep doing it. And I love sales is a muscle, right? And so it's like you have all of these different elements. I think you mentioned seven different elements. Yeah. And it's just like that sales muscle. It's like... If I tweak this, if I work this, if I do this, if I do that, then it's going to get better. And really all of that is what goes into what you said, to fear less. Absolutely. I love your play on words. <laughs> Such a wordsmith. I love it. So tell us, give us an example of a sale that you were really happy in closing, a person that you mentored or worked with, somebody in your team. Give us an example of something that you're really excited about. One
1: of the things that I see chronically when I'm supporting women in business is undercharging. It literally, like, it hurts my soul to see these incredible, accomplished women just charging peanuts because they haven't had the education or the knowledge to be able to really understand how to price themselves effectively. But and a lot of people, you know, it's not a problem that I've observed on my own. But the challenge is that in so many environments, women are just told increase your prices, you know, put up your prices. And yet that isn't a reasonable solution that doesn't solve why they thought that was the right price in the first place. And the fact is, you need to be able to say your prices without quivering anyway. And so telling you to put up your prices, yes, it's a higher price. But if you can't sell it, if you don't have that faith, it is a real challenge. So I love and I'm always, you know, I talk about this. You know, I was coaching a lady who, again, had a price that just made me so upset. And so we had a session together. She was getting ready to go and present to the client. And I added a zero to her price. And she was having heart palpitations. And, you know, we went back and forth and I just said, you know, this is the price. This is the transformation. This is the reason. Say the price and say nothing else. And she finished the meeting and she rang me and she was in floods of tears. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've torpedoed this woman's (laughs) life. Like she was hyperventilating. She And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, no, I said the price. They said, great. And she was like, I don't know how to thank you. You know, the way that you structured it, you know, I totally believe in it now. They were so happy and, you know, in working with her and kind of moving forward in that. She was like, they were her best client. They were the best behaved. They were the most grateful for what she had to offer. They were compliant. You know, they were raving fans. So they brought other clients to her you know, the value of that client was 10 times more than, you know, she was worrying about, you know, making, you know, the payments for her, you know, making payroll and and her business. And, you know, just like that, the solution was that. And I was like, he was like, everyone said to put up my prices, but I had no idea how. And I'm like, you've totally changed. That woman is now flying in her business and, you know, she's gone on, she's changed now she's doing other things, but to enable her to see the value that she offered in order to pass that on to someone else. Honestly, even now, I'm like so excited to think of it again and just how, you know, she was going to go and offer that 10 times to clients to get what she would have gotten out of that one time of just adding the zero, framing it differently, recognizing her value and really going in for that deep transformation. So yeah, that, Mm. that's a real, yeah. It it gives me chills even talking about it now.
0: (laughs) And you know, it's the thing about a career in sales, running your own business, whether you're within a corporation or doing it on your own, it changes the trajectory of your life. hundred percent. Right. Because as you said, and as you know, it's like, hey, if you are doing something, you're helping somebody solve a problem and you're helping your own situation your own economy because the more you sell the more you make the more you're helping people the more you're doing these things and it builds your confidence right so the more times people say yes it's like okay i can do this again and i can do this again that's a wonderful wonderful story oh this has been so rich and so wonderful (laughs) how can people get in contact with you if they want to chat more Best place
1: on socials to find me is LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn daily. Uh, I post daily and I'm in there quite a lot. They can also hit me up on my email. That's hello at calloussuccess.com or they can slide into my DMs on Instagram. I'm also there and I have, I think, Twitter and Facebook. But yeah, LinkedIn or email are the best places to get hold
0: of me. Awesome. And if they want to get some daily inspiration or more yinka in the flesh... How can they do that? Okay, so
1: I, uh, for the ladies, (laughs) I write a daily email. For inspiration, information—it's the longest piece of continuous content I have in my business, like six years now. Uh, it's like two thousand two hundred days in a row or something. But yeah, the first thing I did, and I offer it for free, and it will always be free. And no, it's not every day. Come and buy my stuff. Come and buy my stuff. Not at all. It's stories. It's you know things that make you laugh, things that make you cry, things that make you think. But yeah, I've had you know, some real exciting opportunities from it. And like I said, it's just, it's something that I offer to serve and support women on their journeys through this crazy thing called life. So yeah, if anyone wants access to that, again, hello at kailasuccess.com,
0: you can, uh, and I'll add you to the list. Perfect. I will be emailing you and add me to your list because who doesn't need daily inspiration? Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise, your talent, and so much more with the audience, Inka. Thank you so much for having me, Wesley, and I appreciate it. And guys, that was another episode of the Science of Selling STEM. Be sure, go check out the website, listen to more episodes, and leave a review while you're there. And remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.SnackSizedSales.com. Trust me. Your bank
0: account will grow and love you.